If you live in America, you know what it's like to enjoy great freedom and liberties. However, physical freedom only affects us so much. The man in this story moved to America as a child, but didn't experience true freedom until he met someone. Curious? <laughs> Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. <laughs> yes, and that includes sound effects. Today, we're doing this by sharing a true and inspiring story. I'm Timothy Gregory, and perhaps you feel free, or perhaps your situation leaves you feeling like freedom will never be an option. What do you think it means to be fully free? Find out as we explore freedom on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. The man in our story began his life with barely any freedoms or liberties. He will discover that no country can grant you full freedom from many things, including poverty, fear, sin, etc. This is the true story of his journey to finding freedom. Also, you want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but... It is a prize, and I think it's a prize you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The true classic story of Hans Nikolai. The Palmas are coming to the basement. Quick, run! Come here and sit on my lap, Hans. The water's cold down here on your bare feet. When is this terrible war going to end? Hans, have you heard? We're sailing to America. Are you sure? Yeah. The letter just arrived. That's fantastic, but part of me hates to leave Germany. Yeah, we'll miss our relatives and friends, but there's no future here. How is it possible? The guy who came to visit last year is a distant cousin. They processed the paperwork for us. They must be very rich, sending us clothing and food. And big cans of coffee. Papa could only buy enough for a cup at a time. Good thing I'm learning English in school. Yeah, we know about America. They have freedom there. I wonder what it means to have freedom. The man in our story was 13 years old when his family left Germany in 1952 for America. They had known deep poverty, fear, and oppression, but were about to discover freedom. This is the story of that journey. It's the classic true story of Hans Nikolai, right now on Unshackled. Our ten days aboard ship was an ordeal of seasickness and new adventures as we watched movies, but as we sailed past the Statue of Liberty, feelings of awe and adoration flooded my soul. I shall never forget it. We spent five days going by bus to Reno, Nevada. The vastness of this country was overwhelming. When we arrived, our benefactors were there, and they helped us get a house and jobs. Even I worked delivering newspapers and also at a gas station owned by a man who taught me much. 
Okay, so while you're gassing the car, you check the oil, like this. First, you wipe the stick clean because the engine running gives you a false reading. So you check it with the engine off. Okay. Low oil can cause engine trouble, understand? Yeah. And then you clean the windshield. Be diligent, Hans. Diligent in everything you do. Oh, here comes another car. Hans, sure you're polite. I learned from him integrity in business practices and good work ethics. He also headed boxing events in Reno and got me involved in boxing. A godly student worked very hard with me after school to lose my German accent so kids wouldn't tease me. He also taught me to select friends who were good students. After a few kids called us a Nazi, we beat them up and no one called us Nazis again. I was 17, and I also worked at a grocery store when I met Mary. Hello, Hans. Mary, uh, can I help you find something? No, thanks. Mother sent me to get a can of soup, but I know where everything is. When we lived in Germany, I used to stand in long soup lines after the war. Sometimes I would get up to the front of the line just as they ran out of soup. How sad. Yeah. <laughs> Many times the food was spoiled, but we ate it anyway because we were so hungry. But there's plenty of food here. I'm glad you came to this country, Hans. Me too, Mary. Otherwise, I wouldn't have met you. It was love at first sight for me. But she was only 13 then, so we had to wait even to date. I graduated from high school and waited for Mary to reach an age so that I could spend time with her. Then I joined the Nevada Air National Guard, training to be an air policeman. That's when I first started drinking with the guys. A sandwich and beer became standard at lunch, and summer camp was one drunken evening after another. My brother sometimes joined us. <laughs> so I arrived in New York and get in a taxi to go to the bus station. And Dad sees a sign that says beer. And he yells at the taxi driver to stop so he can buy one. And he takes a drink and spits it out. It was root beer. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Papa. What a shock. Oh, man, I am so drunk. This has got to stop. But our drinking didn't stop. After one night of beer-guzzling contests, we passed out on a beach at Lake Tahoe. In the morning, we drove 80 miles an hour through town. My dad once said that if I ever got so drunk I went to jail, he'd leave me there until I learned my lesson. I didn't learn. Another night, we were so drunk, we somehow ended up at a local rescue mission. This is not a bar. What is this place? A rescue mission. <laughs> Good. We need to be rescued. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have beer? <laughs> no, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go. We really are lost. Yes, you are. Let me just read this to you to think about. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. What are you trying to say? That Jesus Christ died for your sins because God loves you. There's no other way to heaven except through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
My father is the last person I want to meet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's get out of here. Okay, remember, God loves you. Although I liked my job with the air guard, I knew I couldn't have a happy marriage if I spent my life getting drunk with these guys. So, after Mary and I were married, I resigned and I became an apprentice cabinet maker. The only time we drank was at Christmas parties. Mary didn't like the feeling of not being in control and she drank very little. She knew when to quit, but I didn't. Our son, Matt, was born in 1963 born with PKU. The doctor said it's a genetic disorder, Hans, inherited. His body doesn't process protein. But neither of us has that problem. Both of us are carriers with two recessive genes. The doctor says we probably shouldn't have another baby because it would likely have the same problem. So what does he eat? He has to be on a very strict low-protein diet. That's what the doctor says. He gave me a list, but I'm gonna do some research on my own and find a way to help our son. You're a good wife and mother, Mary. He's the only son we'll ever have. We could always adopt. Then let's adopt a girl. Those early years of our marriage were some of the happiest. But after three and a half years of cabinet making, I quit to enter real estate school in 1964. Working at a large real estate company, I met a drinking partner and spent hours after work bending the elbow with him. Nevertheless, Mary and I were building a home in a beautiful part of Reno when our daughter Kirsten came to us in 1966. My drinking increased and Mary had two children to load in the car to come searching for me in bars. Sometimes I came home drunk and belligerent. Hans, you're two hours late. I had a business meeting. At a bar? We entertained clients and I only had one drink. I made you some sparabs and sauerkraut, but it's probably cold by now. Why do you always come home late? Why do you have to stop off in bars and waste money? Don't you talk to me like that. You need to hear Shut the... up or I'll kill you. Hans, listen to what you're saying in front of the children. Don't you lecture me. Hans, why would you... You've made a mess. Don't try to control me, Mary, you hear? Not with food or anything. I knew in my heart something was terribly wrong, but I was out of control and I couldn't change. More than once, I awoke with a hangover and asked Mary to call my boss and tell him I was sick. As part of my job, I attended many conferences where I was always the life of the party. Elected chairman of the Reno Board of Realtors, MLS, I attained success, but a recession in 1966 led me to supplement my income with a job as a milkman. We sold our house and moved into an apartment. One day, I finished my route and spent two hours in a bar. Driving home, I had a bad accident. Hans, what happened? A guy ran into me at that intersection on Virginia Street. Here, let me help. Oh, my, your head is covered with blood. 
There have been so many accidents there. They need a traffic light. I stopped and looked in both directions, but this other car came from nowhere and hit me broadside. Oh, thank God you're okay. Yeah. If I had been driving your little car, I might have been killed. There's no insurance on your car. I know. And both cars were totaled. Tomorrow will not be fun, Mary. I'm sorry. You'd better get in the shower and wash the blood and glass out of your hair. That accident placed a financial burden on the family and helped me to slow my drinking for a while, but our finances stayed poor. My drunkenness and the strain it caused had much to do with Mary's growing depression. Finally, she had an emotional breakdown and doctors put her in the hospital. There, she attempted suicide. Oh, God. Let me die, please. Or else give me the strength to care for my children and my husband one day at a time. Folks, we'll get back to Han's story in just a moment, but first... I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button or you can always write a check unshackled we take checks you mail that check to 1458 south canal street chicago illinois 60607 we thank you for your partnership in our ministry and now back to the classic true story of hans nikolai After a month in the hospital, Mary came home with meds to help her cope with her depression and my bondage to alcohol. She struggled to care for the children and keep our family together. Meanwhile, at the dairy, I met a co-worker who didn't drink at all. He confronted me. How's your wife, Hans? Better, thank you. It's not easy living in such a broken world. Full of such sin? No, uh, I guess it's not. Do you realize that Jesus died for our sins? Yeah, yeah, I know all about that. We go to church. Then, then you know each person has to ask Jesus to forgive his sins, right? Yes, I suppose so. And each person has to believe in and trust in Christ as his Savior. That's how you're born again. That's how you become a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I know. Have you ever done that, Hans? I'm already a Christian, Wes. I told you that I attend church. Church attendance can't give you salvation, Hans. Jesus is the only way to be born again. His words gnawed at the edge of my soul, but I brushed aside the conviction and went on with my life and my drinking. 
I managed a real estate company for several years, and then in 1971, I started my own company. One day, I came home to a very different wife. This morning, our neighbor asked me if I would take the kids to the Bible club meeting. Huh. Was it interesting? Hans, I've gone to church all my life, but somehow I never realized that Jesus Christ died for my sin. Oh, you're not a sinner, Mary. Not like me. I never thought of myself as a sinner either. But the speaker said we all are. I always knew there was a big bunch of sinners out there that Jesus died for. I just never included myself among them, I guess. Interesting. But today I was, um, convicted of my sins, and I repented, asking Jesus to save me. Hans, I gave my life to Christ today, and so did the children. Really? That's nice. Can you pass the potatoes? I'm praying for you, Hans, and for our parents and the rest of the family. How different she was after that. She had always been laughing, but there was a sweetness about her and a tenderness that I'd never seen in her before. She began going to a Wednesday morning Bible study at the church where she was saved. She asked me to attend with her, but I refused. I did, however, begin watching a TV evangelist with her. His words conflicted me too. One night in the spring, I went out drinking with two co-workers and came home so drunk they dumped me in our living room. Hans. Yeah, she was. Hans, wake up. Huh? What's the matter? I've been trying to reach you all night because the furnace won't come on and it's cold in the house. I'll look at it later. Hans, please, come on, get up and check the furnace. Let me alone, I said later. But it's freezing in here, the kids are shivering. You kids, go to bed to keep warm. Go on, get. I had a worse time when I was a child in Germany. Hans! Let me alone! Too drunk to fix anything, I slumped on the sofa while Mary locked herself in the bathroom. Dear Lord, I can't take any more of this. I cannot love Hans any longer. I don't want to leave him, and I don't want him to leave me. But I don't think I can love him anymore. I know that you love him, and I pray that you will love him through me, because I can't do it on my own. If he hurts me again, I ask you to give me peace and don't let the hurt linger. I give him to you, Lord. I heard her prayer that day and it pierced my heart, but I didn't change. Mary kept after me to go to church with her, but I refused. So she sent her pastor to the house to talk to me. He offered me a pamphlet called the Four Spiritual Laws, but I told him that Mary had already shared that with me. I rebuffed every attempt to draw me to God. I finally agreed to attend a Christian businessman's meeting with him, but later I tried several times to cancel. This is Pastor Hugh. Hello, Pastor. This is Hans Nikolai. Hans, great to hear from you. I'm looking forward to the meeting tonight. Yeah, uh, that's why I called. Uh, it's my father's birthday and there's a party for him at the same time, so I can't go to the meeting. Well, can you go to the party afterward, Hans? Uh, the meeting won't be long. Hmm. Are you sure? Oh, yes. 
Yes. Uh, oh, and the speaker is a journalist from California. I'll see you there just before 7. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have been discussing a man in this meeting tonight. A man like Nicodemus who came to Jesus secretly one night. And Jesus said to him, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. First, you have to see the kingdom of God. But our sin blinds us to God's glory. That's why you must be born again. Like most people today, the man at this meeting scoffs at the idea of being born again. But there is no other way to God. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You see, our sin isolates us from God who is holy and righteous. God says, the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from him. That's hell, my friend. God is love and God is light. So hell is eternal darkness. But Jesus paid the penalty for us. Willingly, he gave his lifeblood on the cross to cleanse us from sin. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is love, my friend. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is a man in this meeting who has had opportunity after opportunity to yield his life to Christ. But pride and self-will keep him from the one who died for him. It's not too late, my friend. If you want to be born again of the Spirit of God, raise your hand tonight. My left hand tried to hold down my right hand, and my right hand the left. But tears streaming down my face dissolved my will, and I was broken in repentance to God who loved me so much. I surrendered to Christ. The relief was so great, I cried aloud. Oh God, please forgive me for all my wickedness, the grief I've caused my family. Oh God, save me from my sin. Oh God, if this is real and true, I promise right here and now that I will give you my heart, my soul and my life for the rest of my days. May 20th, 1971, the night I was saved, Reno had one of the biggest snowstorms of the season. But God was with me as I drove to my father's birthday party. It was my birthday too, my new birthday. Mom, Dad, I have something to tell you. Tonight I asked Jesus Christ to be my personal savior. Thank you, God. I won't be getting drunk ever again. Jesus has set me free. The next morning, I visited my folks again, and my mother wanted to receive Christ too. I didn't know how to lead her to salvation, so I just told her what happened to me. The following Saturday, we went to dinner with my brother, and I had a glass of wine. But conviction was so strong because drunkenness was my weakness. I cried all the way home, asking God to forgive me. By his grace, I have never drunk alcohol since. 
That Sunday in church, I met the superintendent of the local rescue mission, and he invited the entire family for lunch at the mission so I could give my testimony. So it is the loving kindness of the Lord that brings us to repentance. All those years, I didn't realize how God watched over us. He brought my father back from the war. He reunited our family when we had been dispersed across Germany. He brought us to this country to be free, but I was a slave to alcohol and my selfish pride. Many Christians tried to share God's love, but I wasn't interested. Then I saw the change in my wife after she received Christ in her life, and her love and faithfulness made me see how great is our God. My mother and father both professed faith in Jesus yesterday. I have already learned a Bible verse. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I cut my teeth on preaching at that rescue mission, and in 1973, God called me into full-time ministry. My brother and I both attended Bible college in Indiana difficult but exciting years as I worked full-time and studied full-time. After graduation, we accepted the call to pastor a church in California. A year later, in 1978, a battle greater than the war I had experienced began. The state wants to tax Christian schools? That's not the worst of what they're doing. They require us to file papers about any political issues we address from the pulpit. Political issues? Well, things they consider to be political are just topics in the Bible, things like homosexuality and murder that is politically called abortion. But why should these subjects be any different than any other subjects in the Bible? For people who are so intelligent, they're certainly not thinking through these decisions clearly. God speaks about these things. He cares how we choose to live because of the damn results of our actions. Hans, this is not a good thing. I know. The state is trampling on our First Amendment right to freedom of religion. How can we fight this? There's a Christian law organization that wants to help us. In the courts? Or the legislature. We cannot let the state tell us what to preach. God has already told us what to do, so we must obey him. God reminded me that our battle was against the giant of darkness, but we must stand for the Lord. Not finding relief in the courts, we began working with the state legislature to change the law. Sixty-five churches were involved in this battle as our church was in danger of being the first one in the history of California and maybe the entire country to be confiscated by the state. For seven years, we fought this battle. This is Hans. Hey, brother. I saw your interview on television this morning. I tried to keep our battle front and center with the media. Are you in this alone, Hans? No. The Lord has led us in this. Kind of like the battle between David and Goliath. Are you winning? The battle belongs to the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. What you said on TV was powerful, Hans. When the interviewer asked if I thought I was above the law in not obeying it, you said Eichmann obeyed the law. Hitler's law. 99% of the time we must obey the law, but when the law of man conflicts with God's law, we must obey God. 
Hey, uh, what is that scripture you always quote, Hans? Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 13. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The bill passed unanimously, and President Reagan called the governor and urged him to sign the bill that set us free of state oppression. The battle was won in 1983. Hallelujah, what a savior! Nevertheless, I glory not in human triumphs, but in the fellowship I have with the living God who made me free from sin and death. Our son served with us for 20 years before being called to another ministry, and our daughter and her husband have been with us many more years. God has given us six grandchildren to love. We still live in California and look forward to the day when we shall see him face to face, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listening Friend do you have freedom? The Bible says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That freedom is yours when you invite him into your heart and life. You can do that now. It is the most important decision you'll ever make. If you need help with this, you can write us at Pacific Garden Mission. 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled In Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, here's the prize for our new upcoming sweepstakes contest. It's another beautiful wooden scripture plaque of Psalm 5110 that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Folks, this is gorgeous, especially if you're looking for, well, daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and well, cut in such a way to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. This one actually looks like it was cut from birch, as it has that really unique bark exterior. 
this plaque has been handcrafted around the natural character and beauty of the wood that God created. If you'd like to peek at this scripture plaque, just visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced March 21st. But the deadline, folks, the deadline for entry is March 5th. And we look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Good afternoon, sir. I'm looking for a job. Well, aren't you still in school, son? Yes, but I'm almost finished. You see, sir, I want to fly. But I assume you're not even driving a car yet. Are you sure you are ready to be a pilot? I promise I'll be your best student. A young man defeats the odds to fly Air Force fighter jets. I'm not sure I like the idea of you joining the Air Force. Oh, come on, Joan. Will they even let you in? Being married? They reopen their training program to married men. Claire, it's too risky. Can't you do something else with a plane? I've wanted to join the Air Force since high school. If it makes you happy, then I'm happy. But despite flying miles high in the sky, he feels his life still comes up short. Drinking's not the answer. I've been drinking all my life, and my unhappiness won't go away after a drink or two. See how he reaches new heights as we bring you the classic true story of Claire McCombs on the next Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Hans Nikolai were Kurt Nabig, Marcy Mencotti, Demetrius Troy, Jeff Lupiton, and Mark Forrest. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Martin Robinson. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. Well, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.